0: Well, good morning. If you'll notice by the slide up at the on the screens, we are are one of our theme Sundays. Uh, each first Sunday of the month, I will have a sermon related to our year's theme, which is becoming one. And so uh, this Sunday, we're going to be starting in the book of Philippians and go through this book as we go throughout our theme sermons this year. But Again, we want to focus on this idea of becoming one, what better way to become one than after this, everybody eat together, because you really get to know people when you eat together. Uh, And so, we would love for you to stay, Uh, we encourage everyone, there's plenty of food back there, trust me, Um, I've already sampled most of it, and it's all really good, so uh, you'll want to stay for that, I'm just kidding, but um, I am hungry, and that smells really good back there, so... Uh, please stay afterwards, and then after we do our fellowship meal, we'll have a, a singing service after that, where we will uh, actually, uh, my lesson for that's a devotional based on one of the songs we sing in our songbooks, Count Your Blessings, uh, and we're going to be talking about that song, and also uh, Doug and I will be singing some songs uh, related to uh, the that particular song. So uh, please stay afterwards. I always love going through the history of the songs we sing, who wrote them, maybe even why they wrote them, and it just helps me understand, and maybe you as well, uh, all about that song as we're singing it and reading the words and and praising God with it. So please stay after that. Again, we're talking about becoming one. Well, what's this first lesson we're going to be talking about related to this idea? We're going to be coming one in love and we'll notice that and the reason I love to use the, the letter to the Philippians is because really this letter is all about unity, right? It's all about putting others before self. It's all about selflessness. It's all about uh, how a church can become one and because of that and oftentimes we'll hear, well, Philippians is a lot about joy. Well, yes, But the real reason if you start going through and you read everything is joy can come when a congregation is one. And so that's what Paul is really trying to explain throughout this letter is, hey, y'all need to really come together, become one. And they were doing a great job of that, as we'll see this morning. But there was also some big issues that were going on, and Paul is going to address those. So we're going to be in verses 9 through 11 uh, this morning as we are are going through this, uh, and this is a very important part to uh, this part of Paul's letter, because as you'll notice in the very first few words, it is my prayer, right? Well, whose prayer exactly was this? It was Paul the Apostles. You notice that in chapter 1, verse 1, as he's going throughout his introductory stuff, and oftentimes we understand this is a letter because of how he addresses it. In verse 1, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, and includes the deacons and overseers as well, right? And so we notice this is Paul's letter. This is Paul's prayer for this congregation. Now, just a Bible study tip, uh, as you're going throughout, maybe even the New Testament study tip, when you're studying through the New Testament and all of a sudden you see, it is my prayer, Uh, I want you to make sure you highlight that area in scripture, because uh, oftentimes, especially in New Testament letters, uh, when a writer talks about this is a prayer I have for you, that's usually what's going on in the church, right? If there's a specific issue addressed, but it's also going to help you understand what the theme of that letter really is all about, and we'll notice how uh, this prayer of Paul's really gets at the uh, full understanding of what's going on with the congregation at Philippi. So, Paul is praying for this congregation. All right. Now, what is that specific prayer? He says that your love may abound more and more. All right. So, his specific prayer is that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And we'll talk about those. Big words in just a second. All right, well, what love specifically? We're not really told exactly what love, but let's look at the context. What love for and what is this love for and and who's it for, right? Notice in chapter 1, verse 27, very important verse in this uh, letter. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I am a hearer. Of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul is wanting them to be one, standing firm as one and striving together as one, right? And so he's having to let them know that. And we're kind of uh, understanding now, maybe in the first chapters we're reading, maybe there's not some oneness going on. Well, then you read in chapter 2, verse 4. That Paul then says, let each of you not look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others, right? Selflessness is really that word, right? Put others before you is what Paul is letting them know here. So now we see there may be a struggle with oneness going on from the first chapter. And now we're seeing Paul really hone in this idea of putting others before yourself. He's then going to talk about. Timothy and Epaphroditus, two servants of Christ and also uh, fellow workers with uh, Paul. And he's going to pretty much give them as a great example of others who put themselves, of them who put themselves before others, or others before themselves, right? And he also talks about Jesus right after this in chapter 2 on how he uh, put everybody else before himself. And so we have this idea, and then at the chapter 4, verse 2, we're really understanding why Paul is writing this letter. Notice chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Verse 2, very important verse, and if you want to uh, highlight in your Bibles, this is the purpose of Paul's writing the letter to the Philippians, because it is, right? Notice he uses the same verb twice. I entreat or I urge, or I beseech, some of your translations will say. He uh, entreats Yodia and he entreats Syntyche, two women uh, that were in this congregation, right? This is the strongest form of petition verb that a a writer in the New Testament can use, right? I really, really, really strongly want you to do this, right? Yodia and Syntyche, both of y'all. And what is he wanting them to do? to agree in the Lord. Now, if you go throughout uh, the book of Philippians, you'll notice that's the idea of having one mind, right? Be one with each other. So what's going on with these two women? I don't know, but from the context, I can understand they weren't agreeing. And what was it doing to the congregation? Enough stuff to where an apostle needs to write a letter, right? Maybe they weren't putting each other's knees before each, each other. Maybe they were having issues. Uh, one wanted to help in one area while the other, and there was just strife cost. And because of that, Paul's saying, uh-oh, I need to write a letter to talk about these two women and have them have this mindset of being together, right? Agreeing in the Lord, being one, right? And so he's really trying to hone in this letter of what oneness looks like. And that first part is this idea of loving each other, right? It is my prayer that you love each other, right that your love for each other may abound more and more now notice also abound more and more also clues us into there was already a lot of love there he wants it to go further though he doesn't want it to get stale he doesn't want it to get stagnant he says i want you i pray for your love to abound more and more now notice he says with knowledge and discernment well what are those words all about This idea of knowledge is your highest form of knowledge that somebody can have. Uh, It's the word epinosis, which is, this is some really applied knowledge. I understand what this is about. Uh, Oftentimes we'll use this. There's two different words um, in the Greek language for knowledge. One of them is factual knowledge, right? Somebody comes to you and says, this is what skydiving is like. The other is experiential knowledge. This is where you put the backpack thing on, you clip it to yourself, and you're jumping out of the plane. Now you know what skydiving is about because you've experienced it. And this is what he is saying. I want you to have this knowledge, right? Uh, this is how your love is going to abound more and more is with this knowledge, right? And this, this is a quotation from uh, one commentator that said, The first aspect of love, therefore, is a complete knowledge knowledge. Part of the completeness is its ability to apply what is known. It's one thing for me to get up here and preach a lesson and give you a, something to go do. It's another thing for you to take that knowledge and apply it. And that's what Paul is trying to explain here. Your love is going to need to abound more and more with applied knowledge, right? He then talks about discernment, right? And this is where that applied knowledge really helps. It can phase the sense of moral discretion. Thus, morality affects the growth of love, right? How we apply morality in our life, how we use our moral discretion will help us in our love abounding more and more. And when you look at them together, this commentator had this to say concerning this idea of with knowledge and discernment. The combination of knowledge and depth of insight unites the personal knowledge of Christ and the practical understanding of people. Notice this, knowing Christ and understanding people are both necessary for love to abound more and more. How much did Christ love people? A lot, right? And you'll find out in chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, so much so that he was willing to humble himself all the way to death, right? And that's the knowledge we need to have. That's the understanding that we need to have, because if we're just honest with ourselves, uh, being in a church body, there's a lot of different personalities. We have the Iodias, and we have the Syntyches, and there's not sometimes agreeance, but when we have the understanding of Christ, the knowledge of Christ, what he went through, what he uh, gave up for us, we can apply that knowledge with love. Love that abounds more and more and that we're able to make those right uh, discernments between what is right, what is moral, what is not. And so he's first, this prayer is, I want your love to abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment. So we have to ask ourselves, how is my relationship with Christ? Because the more I build my relationship with Christ, the more I know about him. The more I learn about him, the more I understand the gospel, the more I see what he went through in his life and how he gave that life for me. And that will help translate into how I treat others, how I treat others in the church, right? Because if I know God, Christ, gave his life for my wife, gave his life for everybody in this room, shouldn't I treat you the same way he treats you? Right? And that's where this love can abound more and more. It's because now I see you as Christ sees you, but that comes with my relationship with Christ. Because if I don't have a good relationship with Christ, guess what? I'm not going to have a good relationship with anybody. I'm definitely not going to see you as he saw you. And that's going to affect my love abounding more and more with you as well. So we have to ask ourselves, how is my relationship with Christ? Do I need to work on it? Do I need to increase it? Do I need to understand him more? Do I need to understand what he did for me more? Go on. You see this phrase, so that, right? This is a purpose statement. So you've got your prayer, and now you've got the purpose to Paul's prayer. So that you may approve what is excellent. The idea of excellent there is to judge rightly. Right? Make good decisions. Should I do this or should I not? Is this going to help me show my love for the congregation or my brothers and sisters or is it not? Is this going to hurt my relationships with others or is it not? Is this morally correct or is it not? That's why he's praying for this. He wants this love of this congregation to abound more and more so that they can approve what is excellent. Is this the right way the congregation should go, or is it not? Is this the uh, understanding that we should have, or is it not? And so he's praying this prayer for them. And notice what he says after this. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So we have Paul's prayer, that their love abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. We have his purpose to this prayer, which is he wants them to be able to judge what is right. Right? Right? He wants them to approve what is excellent. Why, Paul? Well, what's the end product that you want? That they're pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Hey, he wants them to be these pure and blameless souls before the day of Christ. Isn't that amazing to think about, though? If, you, if your love is not abounding more and more, maybe your purity and your blamelessness is not going to be right for the day of Christ. You see, we can have purity. And you start to think to yourself, how does that come into effect? Well, think about what was probably going through Yodia and Sintiki's mind. Now, this is total speculation, but do you think one of those women went home and said, Man, I can't stand Yodia. She makes me so angry. She wants her way to happen. Ooh, I'm going to get her one day. And then she shows up to church on Sunday. Yodia, oh, how's it going? Look, great pie back there, by the way. Really looks good. And then goes home again. She's on the drive home and she's like, I still can't stand her. She is so annoying. I have no idea why I talked to her today, but I did. You see, that builds. Is that love? No. Is that a love abounding more and more? Is Syntyche going to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ? I don't think so. Maybe Jesus comes and says, Syntyche, what in the world was going on? Why were you feeling that way? Because everyone said her pie was better than mine. And that caused anger And that filled my heart with division and dissension and all these different things, not with purity and being blameless. You see, that's why love abounding more and more in our hearts is so important. And that comes with our knowledge of Christ and it growing and and deepening in our relationship with him, but also understanding how we can make the right judgments by looking to his word and all these different things. And the end product is being found pure and blameless on the day of Christ. Right? And the day of Christ is used uh, later on. Paul will kind of mention this same idea in First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11-13. through 13. Notice he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love, that sounds like the same thing, for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. You see Paul pins this same idea to the Thessalonians. And if you were to go later on in the book of the letter to the Thessalonians, you would find in chapter 4 where this day of the Lord is the actual coming of Christ, right? The second coming. And he's praying this prayer so that these people will be pure and blameless. They would be found pure and blameless, free from spot and blemish and full of splendor, not stumbling or falling or figured or speaking in this sense in the path of duty and religion. I want you to be pure and blameless, and that really comes with your love abounding more and more. And then, verse 11, he ends this prayer with filled, or having been filled, or being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You see, this is the process. While your love is abounding more and more, and before we get to that pure and blameless for the day of Christ, what's happening? We're producing the fruit of righteousness that comes through who? Christ Jesus. And a lot of that fruit, and maybe it's all the fruits combined, and it's just a a product of us being like Christ. A, A lot of Uh, Scholars will say this is just a a, a compilation of all the fruits, and it's just doing the right things of God, and that's being produced in our life, and that's the fruit that's coming forth in our lives. It's because we're doing it through Christ, through having this knowledge and all this discernment, and that's what's being produced in our life. You start thinking to yourself, what fruit are you producing? Is it a good fruit or is it bad fruit? Because for me, I, I'm a guy who loves bananas and strawberries, right? I love the occasional apple as well. Am I producing good fruit in my life, right? Or am I producing bad fruit? Sometimes people say tomatoes are a fruit, right? That is a gross fruit. I'm just going to be honest. For all you tomato lovers out there, throw them out, right? Heather could have tomatoes sitting there rotting on our dining uh, in our kitchen on the counter, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out on the back porch and just chunk them down there. I don't care because I don't like that. But am I producing that in my life, a fruit that people can't stand, a fruit that Christ can't stand, or am I producing that really sought-after fruit, right, a fruit that Christ really loves to see in my life? Am I pure and am I blameless? Am I going to be found like that on the day of Christ? Well, that can happen if my love will abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. If I will deepen my relationship with Christ, I'll be able to deepen my relationship with those around me as well. And I can encourage those. And notice how he ends his prayer to the glory and praise of God. I love how Paul ends his prayer here, right? To the to the glory and praise of God. What does that show you about Paul? What's he expecting God to do? Answer that prayer. How do we end our prayers? In Jesus Christ, amen. Yeah, we often say that or, or we say something along those lines. Are we sure God's going to answer all of our prayers? I'm asking you personally. Do you really think God's going to answer your prayers? Because by when I see Paul ans- ending his prayers, it sounds like, man, God's already done this. He's got this. I'm totally relying upon him. I trust him 100% to answer this. Do we have that same trust? Do we understand God's going to answer our prayers? So, What you'll find out, and if I can put it in simpler terms, I know there was a lot of markings up there. We first have the prayer. Love abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment. We have our purpose. Why did you pray this prayer, Paul? So that you may approve the things that are excellent. Great reason to pray. Then we have our process. What, Matt? You just jumped all the way down to verse 11. I'll show you why in just a second. While we're approving the things that are excellent, while our love is abounding more and more, What fruit are we producing in our life? This fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. And then we have the end product. And I hope this is all the desire of everybody here to have this end product in our life personally, but also with the church that we're involved with. With the church here at Mercedes Drive, as we're becoming one in love, we want this to be the end product, that all of us are pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And I hope that's our goal. And so that's going to come through uh, deepening our knowledge with Christ. That's going to come through deepening our relationships with each other, right? When we go to that fellowship meal after services today, sit with somebody you don't normally sit with, right? Sit with somebody who you're like, man, I know you probably drove here today or you've been talking throughout the week. You know, I really don't, haven't talked to that person. Sit with that person, right? If they're trying to run away from you, just chase them down and go sit with them somewhere, Right? Because we want to make sure we're not just, we're deepening relationships with everybody, right? We're trying to expand our relationships with everybody, but more importantly, we want to make sure we expand our relationship with Christ. My encouragement for us this week is to take this prayer in verses 9 through 11. Pray this prayer six times this week. You can do it in the morning, you can do it at 10 o'clock, you can do it in the afternoon during your lunch break, or you can do it in the evening. Pray this prayer six times, that's once a day but change the words from you and yours where Paul's talking to this congregation and change it to we and our, right? Make it personal. When we're praying for this prayer about this congregation here, that'd be so awesome to have 70-something people in here praying about the love in this congregation abounding more and more. Imagine what God can do with that, right? So please, please, please try it, and I want to encourage you to take this prayer and pray it six times this week. You may be here this morning and you find yourself in need of prayers. Uh, Maybe it has nothing to do with your love abounding more and more for the congregation here or Christ, but you find yourself discouraged in your life. Maybe it's a trial that's going on and you would like to ask prayers of this congregation. We'd love to pray with you this morning. We'd love to encourage you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're ready to recommit your life to Christ. You were a Christian once and you had fallen away. You've went the way of the world but now you're back and you're ready to be committed and you want this congregation to pray with you we would love to do that as well or maybe you're here and you find that your need is to have your sins washed away we find in the new testament where that happens at baptism we have a baptistry behind us the water temperature is great and we'd love to have this morning be the morning you become a child of god and become pure of those sins that you'd committed. If you have a need this morning we just ask that you come and stand come while we stand and sing the song of invitation